other things. Um, thank you very much. Praise God for a good morning so far. Special welcome to visitors are here for the first time. Pray that you're blessed by the service so far and that you'll be blessed by the message now. As we turn our Bibles back to John chapter 9. John chapter 9, and I'll read verses 8 to 16 this morning as we continue our look at Jesus, this particular theme or series called Jesus, the Light of the World. And I'll be focusing on verses 8 to 16 this morning. Miria reminded me a little while ago that when I started the series, I said I was going to make it a short one. We're up to seven so far. <laughs> oh, it's all out of my control, okay? It's all the Lord. Anyway, John chapter 9, verse 8. The neighbours therefore, and they which before had seen him, that he was blind, said, Is not this he that sat and begged? Some said, This is he. Others said, He is like him. But he said, I am he. Therefore said they unto him, How were thine eyes opened? He answered and said, A man that is called Jesus made clay and anointed mine eyes and said unto me, Go to the pool of Siloam and wash. And I went and washed, and I received my sight. Then said they unto him, Where is he? He said, I know not. They brought to the Pharisees him that aforetime was blind. And it was the Sabbath day when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. Then again the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He said unto them, He put clay upon mine eyes, and I washed, and do see. Therefore said some of the Pharisees, This man is not of God, because he keepeth not the Sabbath day. Others said, How can a man that is a sinner do such miracles? And there was a division among them. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. We'll commit this time to him. Gracious God and Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this precious time and we can be taught by you. We thank you for your precious and pure word. We thank you that we can learn from it and grow through it. And I pray that your spirit will be our teacher and our guide today, that you would simply use me as an instrument in your hand. Father, we thank you once again for the precious salvation that we enjoy, that you have opened up our eyes to these marvelous truths that have changed us and can change every person who receives them. So we just ask for your blessing upon us today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So, when a person puts their faith in Jesus Christ, the Bible says that he opens up their eyes to a whole new world of possibilities. You begin to see things that you didn't see before. And being born again is a bit like the analogy of being a baby. You know, when you're first, when you're born, who remembers that? Not many of you, by the way. Um, but when you're born, you have a new set of eyes and they take a little bit of time. But once you open up, you can see light, but it takes a bit of time for a child to be able to focus. But when a person is born again, they begin to see new things they'd never seen before. The world looks different to that person than the way they saw it previously. And, he, and it puts that person in a different position to other people in the world. Being given sight... This particular person 
It meant a whole new world for him. I'm not sure if he can imagine what it would have been like in those days to be blind. And the only option you had, because your parents couldn't have looked after you because they would have had to go out to work. Okay, They would have had to do things and they couldn't look after you. So the only occupation that this person knew was to beg. Okay? And so you'd be seated by, seated by the side of the road, probably in a place where you, you, you know, there'd be a number of people walking by, maybe on the way to the synagogue or on the way, people who were on the way to the temple or in a place where people would congregate, and you'd be hoping for people's charity to get you through and maybe get some coins to bring back home so you can be fed by your parents. From being a beggar in the street to relying and relying on the charity of people that he could not even see to all of a sudden being able to see the whole world around him would have been an extraordinary change in this person's life. Extraordinary. Considering that he had never seen before. This was a whole new world. Now he could get up for himself and walk to where he wanted to without being led. He could converse with people he could talk to people he could recognize people as they were coming to him he could finally put a face to a name he could finally match the voice with who it was that was giving him charity he could finally see his own parents for the first time can you imagine the change in this person's life he might have even thought to himself i can even work now and look after myself the possibilities must have seemed endless for this person who had been blind his entire life and now all of a sudden could see the world around him as he never had before. But as we shall see in the life of this man, the world doesn't always applaud when you've been given such a wonderful gift. When your life has changed in such a, an extraordinary way, the world doesn't always rejoice with you. And that's a picture of us. You see, when Jesus gives you sight and you see the world now differently, when you've been saved and born again, the world may not always applaud what's happened to you. In fact, the world will probably find it frightening what's happened to you. People are naturally fearful of what they do not understand. And that's true for all people, really. People are afraid of what they don't understand and so they tend to react against it and today we're going to examine the world's natural response to someone who's been blessed and saved by jesus and what we have simply been called to do in what this blind man or former blind man did let's look at the background quickly so jesus was walking down the street with his disciples and his disciples see this man on the side of the road begging, okay? And he's obviously blind. So he's, he's, his eyes look different to everyone else. If he had eyes, we don't even know, okay? Um, and they asked Jesus a simple question. And they said, Master, who sinned that this person's blind, born blind like this? You know, was, it, was it him? Was he such a bad sinner that God had to judge him in this particular way? Or was it maybe his parents that did that? And so Jesus answered very plainly and said, neither he nor his parents sinned. But in this particular case, that the power of God might be manifest in him. Is he here? And that occurred in verses 6 and 7 of John chapter 9. 
And so it simply says, when he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground and made clay of a spittle, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay, and said unto him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation sent, and went. And he went his way, therefore, and washed, and came seeing. Now that is an extraordinary thing to happen. For someone who has never seen before, um, to, be, to be able to, just after you wash your eyes, to see, and the spiritual lesson I wanted us to gain from last time was that we are not, based on what the disciples, not to judge other people based on their circumstances. Because a tendency of people, the natural tendency of people is to say, oh, that person suffered that because God judged them. And so then it automatically changes the way we respond to that person, the way we are with that person. Because at the back of our mind, we think that person's a sinner. You are not going to treat them with love. If you think they're under the condemnation of God, then, whoa, who am I to argue with that? I might as well go along for the ride then. But instead, the Bible tells us when we see people in dire circumstances, not to automatically think that they are there because of their own foolish decisions and because of their sin. But rather, it's an opportunity for us to share the gospel with them and see Jesus do something wonderful in their life. Because God is glorified. And Jesus says that he can't, he's come to say, seek and save that which was lost, not to destroy men's lives. Jesus can change a person's life forever. And I'm sure, as I mentioned those words, many of you in this congregation know exactly what I'm talking about. He saves people forever. And this occurred to this blind man. His life changed now forever. Turn, to, turn back to 2 Corinthians 5.16 with me, which is what I, I shared with you this morning. That what, what occurred to the blind man changed his life forever. And that is the same that has occurred with us. We no longer see the world the same. We no longer see Christ the same. In fact, we no longer see ourselves the same anymore because God has done something to us. 2 Corinthians 5.16 says, Wherefore, henceforth, know we no man after the flesh. Yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are become new. God has made all things new for us. Everything's new. We have an eternal hope. We have a home to look forward to. We have him to look forward to. We have a relationship we didn't have before. We have a new identity in Christ. We are called not just his children, which is an extraordinary thing for God to have children, but we are now the ambassadors to this world. We are, the Bible calls us so many things. It's extraordinary when you think that God dragged us up from the, the pits of hell and actually seated us with him in heavenly places and we didn't do one thing to deserve it other than say thank you and so we from henceforth we don't know any man anymore after the flesh which means from the flesh's point of view we don't know christ anymore after the flesh because we now see him and i no longer could enjoy so they lost me in that way which probably was difficult for them probably made them angry um, but in the end, they still had a friend. They just couldn't understand it, what had happened to this friend. And this is the same way 
that I suppose people react or reacted to this particular man. Really, is that the guy? Nah, can't be. He's putting on an act. Maybe it's not. Maybe it is him. Maybe it isn't. Maybe if it's not him, maybe he's, he's not the real guy. Maybe they've brainwashed him. Maybe that's it, you know, he's a schizophrenic personality now. Peter says in 1 Peter 4, 4, wherein they think it strange that you run not with them to the same excess of riot, speaking evil of you. There are some people that Peter says, you know, when they, when they see the people that have been changed, look at them and say, hang on a sec, what's going on here? They're not doing the same things we used to do before. But I love his response when they said, is that really you? Is that really you that believes this stuff? Are you sure it's you? You're not brainwashed or you're not putting on an act or you know, are you are you sort of you having us on here? The man simply responded, Yeah, it's me. It is me. I'm not putting on an act. I'm not brainwashed. And I may not love doing the things that I was doing before. Obviously he wasn't loving when now that he had the opportunity, he realized I don't really love begging. Don't like it that much. I'm gonna do something different now. And verse 10 then brings the inevitable question. All right, well, if it is you, if that really is you, how? Okay, verse 10 says, Therefore said they unto him, How were thine eyes opened? He answered and said, A man that is called Jesus made clay and anointed mine eyes and said unto me, Go to the pool of Siloam and wash. And I went and washed and I received my sight. Then said they unto him, where is he? He said, I know not. So since he testified that it was indeed him, the obvious question arose, well, how then did this happen, this extraordinary thing happen to you? How did you get your sight? And his, his testimony is simply the basic truth. Jesus made clay, anointed my eyes, told me to go to the pool, wash, and now I can see. I obeyed him and I received, my, I received my sight. The man told them the simple truth. He didn't add anything to his testimony. He didn't embellish his story. He didn't even know where Jesus was. And he didn't even know what Jesus looked like. But he simply said the truth. And in verse, if you go, to, go back with me to John chapter 7, verse 16. Because he simply obeyed Jesus, and by obeying Jesus, his life was changed. And Jesus tells us in John seven sixteen, it says, Jesus answered them and said, My doctrine is not mine, but his that sent me. That's God the Father. If any man will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. This blind man took what Jesus, the doctrine that Jesus told him, and he did God's will. And in doing God's will, he discovered that this doctrine was from God because his life was changed. The blind man simply discovered that obeying Jesus proves that what he's saying comes from God. And if we obey the doctrine of Christ, the promise is that a person can receive their sight. And that sight means seeing the truth for the first time. 
I've heard many testimonies during my life how Jesus has changed their lives and you know how they were lost and hell-bound and now they've got a whole new life full of love, grace and hope. Some testimonies have been extraordinary. You know those testimonies I'm talking about? They were axe murderers before and now they're and now all of a sudden they're preaching the gospel. People that have come from, you know, the, the worst prisons in the world, people who have been involved in some of the most terrible crimes and lifestyles who have been changed overnight. We've seen plenty of those testimonies of what Jesus can do. Not all testimonies like that, though, are they? Some testimonies are one of a life lived in a godly family where sin was not reached in excess, but where salvation was received at a young age. Now, everyone's got their own story. This guy had his story. His story was, a guy called Jesus came to me. I was blind. He told me, he anointed my eyes with some clay, told me to go and wash, now I can see. That's his testimony. It's a beautiful testimony. What about your testimony? What's Jesus done for you? Your testimony is one of the most powerful things that can lead other people to Christ. Because within each testimony is the gospel. Within each testimony is the story that Jesus saves people. And that's was, that was in the testimony of this man. But I don't want you to ever feel that your testimony is inferior to other people. okay? Because I would suspect that there are plenty here who think, oh, my testimony is not really, a, you know, not, it's not a really good testimony. I mean, I've heard some testimonies of how God changes people's lives around. They might have been drug addicts and now they're, they're clean and they're, they're preachers or whatever else it may be. They might be missionaries. But I haven't got a really, you know, big testimony. My testimony is that I got saved when I was, you know, 10 years old and never got up to too much bad things. But I've been faithfully coming to church. Maybe that's not a big testimony. Don't ever feel that you have to embellish your story. Because whenever God saves a sinner from hell to heaven, whenever God takes a lost person and makes them his child, that is the greatest miracle that can ever, ever be. All the other things that we see in this world, nothing ever compares to one soul that is saved for the glory of God. Don't ever think that your testimony is not important. Because if God saved you through Jesus Christ, then that is a wonderful story. And that's a story worth sharing with people around you. When people see the change in you, it will lead them to ask the question, how? Why are you different? You used to be begging on the side of a road. How is it you're walking down the street with me now? How is it that your life is changed? If they don't recognize you, good. Tell them why. Let your testimony shine because that's the purpose of a testimony. And if you don't behave differently to what you were before, then it may mean you're putting on an act. Don't put on an act. Don't embellish your story. 
Don't hide your story. Obey the Lord and let your life, your faith be seen. And so these people who had seen and known this particular person and he's told them, yeah, it's me, are in a, a world of confusion. How on earth can this guy be seen when we've known him for this long and he's obviously been blind? So what they do is they bring him to the Pharisees. Let's bring him to the priests. Let them examine him and let them make up their mind. Maybe they can shed some light on this sort of stuff for us and tell us whether this is a con, whether it's a hoax, whether it's some magic act or something like that. So they bring him to the Pharisees. So look at verse 13. It says, And they brought, they brought to the Pharisees him that aforetime was blind. And it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. Then again, the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He said unto them, he put clay upon mine eyes and I washed and do see. Notice this is the same story over and over and over again. Pay attention, though, particularly because it says that he didn't go to the Pharisees. It wasn't his choice. It says they brought him to the Pharisees because they wanted the answers from them. Surely these are, the, these are the bright sparks. These are the guys who've got the authority. They know all the scriptures. Maybe they can answer what's actually happened over here. It wasn't his choice, but he went anyway. You know, there was a, a law in the Old Testament that said if you had leprosy and you were cured of leprosy, that you had to then present yourself to the priest who was authorized to look you up and down to check you out and he had all the rules and regulations in place where he could say actually this person is clear and then he can declare you clean a bit like being COVID negative huh? you have a little test hmm? and Jesus had done this even before so just go to Matthew chapter 8 verse 3 with me because Jesus obeyed the law Inasmuch as the law was properly interpreted, Jesus actually followed all the commands of God. And so we find a similar type of thing happening in Matthew 18 after he's cleansed the man of leprosy. And pay specific attention to what Jesus tells this man to do. Matthew chapter 8 verse 3. So it says there, And Jesus put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will be thou clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus saith unto him, See thou tell no man, but go thy way, show thyself to the priest, and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. So you get that? Okay, so go and get yourself checked out by the priest, which is a bit like saying go to the doc doctor and get yourself checked out and get a clean bill of health from the priest and then obey what the Bible tells us in the Old Testament, which is offer a gift okay, of sacrifice to God as a result. And so notice he finishes it with as a testimony to them because this man also would have had his own story. There would have been other people who have known this man as a leper and all of a sudden, Jesus, he's now come back clean. And so his testimony will be to other people when they say, how is it that your leprosy is gone? And he would say, this guy called Jesus touched me 
And he said, will you be clean? And I said, yeah. I said, could you please clean me of this, clear me of this? And he said, yes, I'm willing. And he simply touched me and now I'm clean. And so he says, go and get yourself checked out. Go and get it verified. Go and actually um, uh, offer a sacrifice and let it be as a testimony to them. This is in stark contrast to some of the nonsense we see with faith healers today. Where people don't get checked out by their doctors, where they're not verified. Okay? It's a very different scenario to what we see with these faith naturally cause division between people. Why? Not because he purposely does it, but because simply how do you respond to what he does? How do you respond to what he says? And there are some people who are going to accept what he says, and there are other people who are going to say, he's a sinner. I'm not going to follow him. And that naturally causes division. That's why he says there are going to be people within families. He's going to cause division within families. Not because he wants division, but because it naturally comes about. And so some of them said, this man is not of God. And others said, how can a sinner possibly do this sort of stuff? So, so there, there was a division among them. Maybe those ones who said, how can this be? Were maybe the only ones who had some honesty left within them who were willing to question their own belief system that they had created. They were always at least willing to question their religion or the interpretation of God's laws. And I suspect, in a way, this is exactly what the Lord wanted to happen. You know, I said he loves to do it on the Sabbath. Maybe he wants that. Maybe he wanted them to question their interpretation of God's word, of God's laws, and then bring to a head and, uh, and force them to ask the question about themselves. He wanted them to question their own silly rules, which, they, which had really, they had used and corrupted to actually deny the word of God itself. Jesus is an enigma in so many ways. He's difficult to understand, but he's obviously so clear in his teaching. He's seemingly impossible to identify, but he's so clearly from God by the things that he teaches and by the miracles that he does that no one can deny him. Why did Jesus heal a blind man on a Sabbath? What big lesson can we take from this whole picture here? Well, as a blind man, as a crippled man, as a man with a withered hand, what rest does that person have in life? I'm not sure if any of you have lived with someone who has a disability in life, um, a serious disability. What rest does that person have in life without needing other people to help them? If they're immobilised, if they are blind, if they are deaf, if they can't walk, that puts a severe strain on them. Life becomes so much more complicated. Life becomes so much more burdensome. How does a blind man rest for a day? How? Without relying on other people, in a sense. Every day is a struggle. Every day, to get around from place to place, things which we take for granted. 
because we can see, we can hear, we can move, we can, we can grasp with our hands. That person just can't do that automatically. One, one particular thing we might do in five minutes might take them 50 minutes. Every day can become a struggle, a labour. Every day for a crippled man is burdensome. How do you go to the bathroom? How do you eat? What can you do? How does a, ma a withered man, uh, a man with a withered hand, live with one hand? There's great difficulty sometimes. Life with a disability can be hard. And praise God that there are people that help with people with disabilities. Praise God that people have family around them and they support them with their disabilities. But what about being, being freed from that disability? What about if you were blind and then all of a sudden you could see? What if you were deaf and all of a sudden you could hear? What if you were crippled and lame and all of a sudden you can walk? How much would you appreciate that? How much would you take that thing which you didn't have and appreciate it? Because it opened up, it opens up the world for you again. I want you to consider for a moment the life-changing experience of being given sight that Jesus gave to this blind man. How different he could see himself. How different his relationships would become. Finally, he could be a contributor rather than simply waiting for charity. And if you're wondering whether that makes a difference, close your eyes for an hour and try to get around. See how far you get. See how your life changes as a result of one thing. And if this is true for physical disabilities, then what about sin? What about being spiritually blind? What about being spiritually unable to walk with God, to follow God? What about not being able to grasp the truth because you don't have a hand to hold on? What about not being able to hold on to your Saviour's hand? This is the life of a fallen person. This is how every person is in this world. Blind, lame, withered, diseased with no hope, with no future. Why did Jesus heal on the Sabbath? Because there's no rest for that person. There isn't rest. He knew he was going to get in trouble doing it, 